Well, uh, for the last many weeks, we have been in a sermon series where we are taking some of John Wesley's sermon titles and themes and updating them for us now. Today, we're taking just a little bit of a break from that, uh, but we are going to be talking about a passage that I think, uh, considering at least how much he quoted this Bible verse, must have been one of John Wesley's favorites. So today, we're reading uh, from Romans 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would um, give us receptive hearts today so that uh, the words that we speak to one another and so that the thoughts of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We've just heard about uh, hope, these great words of hope. And whenever I think about hope, I think about this interaction that I had with my favorite commander when I was in the Air Force. Uh, my boss then was named Colonel Harvey. And Colonel Harvey was a, a strange guy. He, um, if you could imagine sort of a, a 60s robot with a deep voice and just goofy, that was Colonel Harvey. Uh, Colonel Colonel Harvey talked like this, and he kind of bent at the waist, and he sort of moved like a robot and talked like a robot, and, uh, and he would make these odd noises when he talked like this. Uh, and I was Colonel Harvey's exec, uh, his executive officer, which meant that I was to keep all his administrative ducks in a row. And uh, one day we had this report due. I had to get up to our, our headquarters, and I was waiting on some reports that I needed from the squadron commander so I could get to Colonel Harvey, the group commander, so we could pass it up on, uh, on the chain of command. And Colonel Harvey comes in and he says, mm, Lieutenant, uh, do we have that report? I said, well, no, sir, I'm waiting on some information that we need from the squadron commanders before I can get everything finalized and give it to you so we can give it to them. He said, mm, well, when are we going to have that? And I said, well, sir, I hope. And as soon as I said, I hope, he interrupted me. And he says, mm, Lieutenant, hope is not a plan. And so anytime I think about hope, I think about Colonel Harvey. Now I think about Colonel Harvey telling me that hope is not a plan. So I know what hope isn't. Hope isn't a plan, at least according to Colonel Harvey. But what is hope? And so often I think as Christians, we uh, are not very articulate about what our hope actually is. We're pretty good about talking about faith. You know, Paul says that we should abide in faith, hope, and love. I know what faith is. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, justification by faith, that God declares us to be in the right with him, not on the basis of anything that we've done, but on the basis of what Christ has done for us. And when we talk about faith, we know we should talk about our faith, our faith in Christ, and we should talk about Christ's faith, his faithfulness, to us that we have seen expressed through what he's done for us on the cross. Pretty good about talking about faith. And we like to talk about love, too. I think I know what love is. 
Uh, I know love for my family and other folks in my life, and I think I've experienced God's love. We know that God has called us to love God and love our neighbors. We're pretty okay, at least in talking about love. We're not always the best at actually loving, but at least we know that we should talk about love. But what do we talk about when we talk about hope? What is it that we hope in? See, I'm afraid that we as Christians have very often lost hope. And what I mean by that isn't so much that we're hopeless, though sometimes we can be hopeless. What I mean by that is that so often we don't know how to express the content of our hope, what it is that we actually hope for, who it is that we actually hope in. You see, whenever we're confronted, so it seems, with something that is uh, tragic or confusing, something that makes us sad or angry, Whenever we are faced with the messed up places of this world and in our own lives, what so often we do to express our hope is to jump to cliches and pat answers that don't do justice either to the situation or to the fullness of Christian hope. We will say things like, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever said that? Guilty. I've done you know, We've all said that. We've all said these things from, from one point or another. We say God won't give you more than you can handle. And I understand what people are trying to say when they say that. They're trying to say that God will see you through this difficult situation. But instead of saying God will see you through this difficult situation, uh, we say this, this cliche. But the problem with that is that we do have more than we can handle. We can't handle our own lives. We can't handle our own sins. That's why we need Christ, precisely because we have more than we can handle. And in fact, to this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle, I would say that God has given the world more than it can handle because God has given himself through his son, and we cannot handle Jesus, certainly. So it's just not a very good picture of Christian hope to say that God won't give us more than we can handle. Sometimes we'll say this, and I know this one is treasured by a lot of people. But we'll say God uh, does, or that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And again, people mean well when they say that. They're expressing trust that God will make all things right. Uh, and that God will perhaps give us meaning in the midst of something that seems to be meaningless. And if that's what we mean, then that's okay. But sometimes when we say God does everything for a reason, what we do is that we blame God for evil. We blame God for wrongdoing. Sometimes the reason that things that are tragic happen is because we're the reason. We've done it. Sometimes the reason that something bad has happened is because we live in a sinful and broken world. Where God hasn't ordained that this bad thing happens, but because the world is trapped in sin and chaos. And so the reason isn't something that God has done. Um, rather, we should be focusing on what God will do in response. And sometimes when we say that everything happens for a reason, um, we don't do a very good job of really acknowledging what people are going through and the hardship that they faced uh, and what God might actually do in response to that. And sometimes we'll say things like, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. 
And in many ways, I believe that to be true. But sometimes when we say God has a wonderful plan for your life, what we mean is that God will make you comfortable and respectable and middle class and, uh, or maybe even rich, and that you'll be happy and wealthy and wise and healthy and all of this. But the problem with that is what Paul says in the passage we just read. Paul says that if we're justified by faith, then we boast in our sufferings. We can boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Paul knows, and he tells the Christians in Rome, that suffering is real. And sometimes when we say uh, things like, God has a wonderful plan for your life, we leave out the real suffering that people face. And we say nothing about what God might do in response to that. And sometimes people will say things like, God closes one door and he opens another. And I get what people mean there. They mean that God will see them through. They they have a trust in God. And that is an absolutely good thing. But what we wind up doing when we say God closes one door and, and God will open another is instead of centering our hope on what God has done in Christ, um, what we wind up saying is... Uh, well, what we wind up doing is, is not, not acknowledging what people have really faced and the circumstances that they really go through. Uh, and we haven't said anything really specific at all about what Christ may do for someone who is facing hardship or suffering that we can't even begin to imagine. So all these things, they're, they're half-truths at best. They express something about what we believe as Christians, but they're really not grounded in the big picture of the Bible. And oftentimes what they wind up doing is turning us back in on ourselves where we are sort of nasal gazing and asking, well, do I hope enough? And if I do all the right things, then I can say these magic phrases and things will turn out well for me. But we haven't said anything about what God actually does to bring us hope. The content of our hope is not that we might have good circumstances on down the road somewhere. And the content of our hope isn't something like, well, everything is, you know, happens for a reason and is preordained and it just is the way that it is. The content of our hope is that God has done something in Christ. The content of our hope is that even though the powers of this world killed God himself and the person of his son, that God has overcome death. The content of our hope is that even when things look like they couldn't possibly be any worse, that God will bring something out of that tragedy. That even when there is death all around us, that God will bring new life. And we believe that because God raised Jesus from the dead. And we believe that because God has promised that Christ will come again to make all things new to bring a new creation where all that we have faced that is suffering, all that we face that's painful, all the bad circumstances of our life, that God will bring something out of that, that God will bring reason to it, that God will bring order to it, that God will open us up to something new because God will come again to make a new heaven and a new earth. That is our hope. Our hope isn't these pat phrases. 
Our hope isn't that we just might be happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. But we forget this when we talk about hope. When we talk about faith, we, we should remember there's a content to our faith. We don't just have faith in general. We have faith in Christ. We don't just love generically. We love because God has first loved us. And our hope, our hope is based in Christ. So if what we say to folks or what we say to ourselves when we go through hardship doesn't have Christ in it, then we've missed out on the full picture of Christian hope. Because our hope is what God has done in Jesus will be made manifest for the whole world. Paul says later in Romans this, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also. That God brings life in the midst of death. That God brings newness in the midst of tragedy. That God will take all of the messed up places of our lives and our world and will do something that we can't even begin to imagine. That's the content of our hope. That is what we should have our trust in. That is uh, in whom we should have our trust. And when we know that, when we know that, then we can begin to be a people of faith uh, and a people of hope. Because that's what the world so desperately needs is people who are confident of what Christ has done and are so confident that God raised Jesus from the dead and are so confident that God will make all things new that we can begin to live like that even now. So that we can begin to live like Christ has already returned and God, Christ is making all things new. So we will get about the business of making things new. That's what it is to live into hope. If you have that, if you know that down deep in your bones. When I think about where I've seen this, I, there are several things and several places that come to mind. I think about, for one, uh, this place called the East Belfast Mission. It's a Methodist mission congregation in East Belfast, Northern Ireland. East Belfast is a Protestant uh, working class neighborhood that has a long history of violence. As you probably know, in Northern Ireland, Catholics and Protestants were at each other's throats for years and years. You've probably heard about the Irish Republican Army, uh, a terrorist organization, Catholic terrorist organization. There was a Protestant corresponding organization to that too, or several actually. Um, Protestant paramilitary groups that would um, perform all sorts of violence against Catholics and Catholic communities. Um, so violence was being exchanged both ways. Well, East Belfast is a Protestant neighborhood where these paramilitaries are still very much alive and well. And East Belfast used to, when someone would grow up, they knew that they could go down to the shipyard and get a job uh, working on one of the ships there. Uh, East Belfast is where they built the Titanic, for example. Um, and they would know, when I grow up, I can have a good, secure job, I can raise my family, and that will be that. But as violence grew in Northern Ireland and as the shipbuilding industry disappeared there, people growing up didn't know what life would look like, didn't know if they would have a job. And so young men, especially growing up, not having anything else to give them meaning, would turn to the paramilitaries and would join these groups and would become involved and they quit doing their traditional paramilitary stuff for the most part, 
Now they're involved in trafficking uh, drugs and trafficking weapons. And so these young men would join these gangs because they, would, they could give them money and they could give them a sense of identity and purpose and meaning. Um, and that's the situation in East Belfast, a place where literacy rates are through the floor, uh, where all kinds of tragedy and pain exist. And it's a long, complicated history of trouble. Um, so in the middle of that neighborhood, this little Methodist congregation started uh, a project that they call Skynos. Uh, Skynos comes from the Greek word that John uses when John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us in John 1. Uh, literally, it's the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. It's calling us to think about God's presence with the people of Israel in the tabernacle, in the traveling tent where the, where the Ten Commandments were. That God was present with his people. And what this East Belfast mission is saying is that God is still present in this place. And so they bought up a whole city block, they tore it down so that people could no longer associate the place with previous episodes of violence, which of course just led to people wanting to take revenge and things like that. So they set up this neutral ground, and in this place they uh, established affordable housing, affordable places to host your business, because of course all the businesses have fled because it was dangerous there. Uh, they started thrift shops where they would take old goods and bring them back to life and sell them as a sign that uh, God was making things new and as a very practical way of getting people goods that they needed without having to go all the way across town. Uh, they did job training uh, and they would coach people on their resumes and things like that to help them find hope. And along with that, they had a worshiping Methodist congregation in this place and still, still have it. They did all that, not as a way to say, if we're nice enough to people and do good things to them, then they'll want to join our church. Right? They did it because God made those people in his image. And God has called us to love them and serve them. They did all of those things because they want to give a sign of the hope that Christ has put in them. They wanted to give a sign to their community, a sign to the world that God hadn't given up on that place. When I think about hope, I think about the East Belfast Mission. And when I think about hope, I also think about um, a group that my friend Chris reminded me of on Friday evening. Um, in Nashville, there is uh, a group uh, or an organization called the Magdalene House, founded by uh, an Episcopalian pastor who noticed that Nashville had a problem with uh, a lot of women who had been in human trafficking situations a lot of them who were prostitutes and were trying to get off the street and had histories of abuse, uh, physical abuse of them, and then their own abuse of drugs, and she wanted to do something about it. So she started the Magdalene House, which is a residential community where women who have a history of prostitution um, can, and, and drug abuse can come and live and be part of a recovery program, can find a job, can find job training, can receive newness of life. And Magdalene House has a 72% success rate in getting women with these histories off the street and back to, uh, back to life. Why do they do that? They do that because it's an expression of the hope that God has given them through Christ. Uh, Magdalene House also has this uh, 
sort of side business with it called Thistle Farms, where uh, some of the women will make um, like soap and lotion and things like that that they then sell, that then connects other people to the work they're doing. Those funds go to support Magdalene House, and it gives the women who are a part of making that a job. And so to bring all these signs of life to folks who need signs of life, but also it's, it's the folks who have gone through tragedy. It's the folks who have suffered. It's the folks who, have, uh, who are in, themselves in need of redemption that become signs of redemption for everybody else. They are part of the church that worships there. They're not just objects of charity. They're part of the business of the church. And when I think about hope, I think about Magdalene House and Thistle Farms. When I think about hope, I think about a church I know in Jackson, uh, Wells Memorial United Methodist Church. A lot of y'all will know who Keith Donkel is because of the Methodist Hour. Um, and Keith Donkel has been the pastor there uh, for something like 40-some-odd years. Very unusual in Methodism, as you know. Uh, the great thing about Wells, two, well, there are many great things, but two of the great things about Wells is, one, it's one of the only uh, multiracial churches in Mississippi, or substantially multiracial. Black people and white people worshiping together, and they've been doing it since the 70s. So really radical at the time. Wells is also known around uh, Mississippi, and especially around Jackson, uh, as the church that you go to if you have a history of drug or alcohol abuse. That they will understand your situation, and they will help you become part of a recovery group. That redemption happens there, and so that is the place to go if you want to meet Christ and you've gone through something like that in your life. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure uh, Wells, by the way, is Eugene Stockstall's home church. I might be mistaken about that, but I know he's had, had connections there. When I think about hope, I think about the work that Wells does. And when I think about hope, I think about the way that I see that hope expressed in this place as well and how I hope that hope is expressed here. Uh, when we do things like the thrift shop, and a lot of y'all contribute stuff up there and work up there, that's a way of bringing a sign of hope to our community, and we're working to make that better and better and better, and a, and a more, uh, a deeper and better way of serving our neighbors through that place. When we did our community prayer um, series during uh, earlier in the spring, that was a way of giving a sign of hope and making us people of hope for our community. When we have our monthly uh, healing prayer service, that is part of how we're trying to understand ourselves as a people of hope for the world around us. Um, and there are all sorts of things that y'all do. We just took up margarine bowl collection. I don't know if y'all know this. It's unusual that a church does that. People think, oh yeah, the pastor just has some sum of money somewhere, so if someone's in trouble, they can help them out. A lot of churches, that's not the case. My church in Nashville, that was not the case. But here, because y'all support that and y'all think it's important, when I know someone is in need, I can go and meet with that person and pray with that person, figure out what they really need, and I know that there is funding there for me to help that person's situation and minister to them. That's a sign of hope for our community. And because, you know, I got connections, right? I hear about good things that y'all do and don't ever tell anybody about. And it gets back to me sometimes. It makes me really happy when that happens. And when I hear about good things that y'all have done for other folks to bring them hope as a way of expressing what Christ has done for you and what you want to see Christ do in our world and your confidence that God will make all things new in Christ. 
And so I know so many of y'all do that in a quiet, quiet way. Um, and you know, all this, it doesn't depend on some program or some activity. Um, when you get up and go to work or go wherever on Monday morning, you can be that sign of hope just in the way that you live your life. And when we as a church go about our business week by week, we can be that sign of hope for others. We can be that sign of hope because of what we know Christ has done for us, bringing us to life out of death. And we can be that sign of hope because we're confident that God is not finished with that work in us. I love Colonel Harvey, uh, one of my favorite bosses of all time. Great guy with his goofy 60 robot voice and, uh, and all that he was. But Colonel Harvey was wrong about hope. Because in Christ, hope is the plan. It is in hope that we ourselves meet Christ and know that he will do new work in us. It is in hope that we are able to respond to Christ and be a sign of hope for others. And it is in fulfillment of our hope that we know that Christ will come and make all things new. Let's pray.